Welcome back to another episode of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. This is episode 25 of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. We have a really good podcast set for you guys today on this Wednesday afternoon. We're going to start the show ranking. My, I'm going to be ranking my top 10 running backs in the NFL. We're going to go from 10 to 1 with two honorable mentions at the running back position. We're also going to do running back rankings and wide receiver rankings. We're going to go through my top 10 wide receiver rankings as well. 10 through 1 with probably two honorable mentions. So two rankings. And then to close the show, we will be reacting to a Bleacher Report article that came out, I think, two weeks ago on July 25th from Alex K. 10 bold predictions for the 2023 NFL season. You know, we're right around, it's a month, just about a month until kickoff of the NFL. I think it's a good time at this time in the summer to react to 10 bold predictions for the 2023 NFL season via Bleacher Report. So that's the plan for the podcast today. Make sure you guys tune in and I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Without further ado, let's get right to it. So now we're going to count down my top 10 running backs in the NFL. But before we do that, I have two honorable mentions. One goes to Austin Eckler. I have him as like the 11th best running back in football. I think you can make an argument for him being top 10 for sure. I think he's also kind of very overrated as a player because he's, if anyone played fantasy football who listens to this podcast, you guys know this. He's like a top three, top five pick. And I don't think he's really that good as a runner, to be completely honest with you. He's a great pass catcher as a running back, but I also think to be like a top-notch running back in the league, you also have to be a really good runner. And I don't think that he's that great of a runner, especially in between the tackles, is what my biggest problem is with him. He's not like a Derek, like a Derek kind of like a power back. He can get you rush yards, don't get me wrong, but to be honest with you, I don't see him ahead of these other guys in the top 10 in terms of a top 10 running back in the NFL. So he's 11, and then 12 is Brees Hall. Brees Hall could probably be on this list by the end of the year. I would just like to see how he comes back from his ACL injury. As you guys saw through the first five weeks, he was on his way to having a monster, monster season. And unfortunately, he got hurt. I mean, he had like 463 rush. He had 463 rush yards and four touchdowns in his first six games of the season. He had a 116-yard rush game and a 72-yard rush game on four carries before he got hurt in that Denver game. Look, say what you want about Brees Hall, but, man, I think that by the end of the season, when it's all said and done and he can recover from his ACL injury and continue pushing to where he was to the first six weeks of the season as in his rookie campaign, I think he'll definitely be in the list as a top 10 running back. So those are my two number mentions. Let's get to the list. At number 10, might come to the surprise of some people, but not really for me, I have Ramondre Stevenson. I think Stevenson is a very underrated back. He ran for a little over 1,000 yards this past season with five touchdowns on 210 carries. With Stevenson, it's pretty interesting. He didn't really start the season all that great, but really I thought towards the end of the season he was building momentum. Like He had 161 rushing yards against the Lions. He had 172 rushing yard game against the Raiders. He had some monster rushing games, and he doesn't get a lot of uh, credit for his uh, passing game, like his receiving game. I think in the Minnesota game, he had like 10 receptions for 75 yards or something like that. Because I was watching a game with you know my family on Thanksgiving. He had a seven reception, 72 yard 
uh, receiving game. He's a very underrated pass catcher, and people don't give him enough credit. People just think that he's just like a power back, like typical New England Patriots running back, you know, smash mouth football, and he can't do anything else. He's actually a really solid pass catcher. People don't give him credit for that. I think Ramondre Stevenson, just and also just in terms of fantasy as well, because I'm a big fantasy football player, and I know this has nothing in correlation with rankings and fantasy, but I think he'll go early in fantasy drafts, to be honest with you, because not only can he receive, but he also is a monster on the ground. His future, like his up-and-coming season, I think is going to be very interesting. I think not just Ramondre Stevenson. I think the entire offense, including Mac Jones, got screwed over by Matt Patricia this past season. They had a defensive coordinator coaching as an offensive coordinator under Bill Belichick, and now they hired Bill O'Brien, and I think they're going to rely more on the run game, and that's going to benefit Stevenson, Stevenson and his numbers. And I think Ramondre Stevenson could have close to 1,100 yards this past this up-and-coming season. I would not be surprised. I also think he'll get a little bit more carries, like 10, 20 carries more, because I think they're going to rely on the run game. They're going to go back to what made Mac Jones successful in his rookie campaign. They went away from that in year two. In year three, I think they'll go back to smash-mouth football, and then – if they need a pass, they'll go to Mac Jones. Stevenson's at 10 for me. At number nine, I have Tony Pollard. Uh, Pollard split the backfield last year with Ezekiel Elliott. He had 1,000 yards on not even 200 carries, nine touchdowns. He averaged about like five yards a carry. He was a great uh, running back. Problem was he had to split time with Zeke. Zeke's gone for now. He could come back towards the end of training camp when they make the uh, 53-man roster cuts and all that stuff. Z could be back in the mix for all we know. But as of now, it's Tony Pollard's backfield. And I think that, you know, he had 1,000 yards uh, this past season. I think he could have 12, 1,300 yards this up-and-coming season because he doesn't get most of the workload, most of the workload. He's a really good rusher, and also he's a really good receiver as well. He had monster games against the Eagles in through the air. He had a monster game against, I'm pretty sure it's Minnesota, where he had like 109 yards receiving. He he's had some big games. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's had some monster games for yeah, like his rookie season or whatever. Like he had 80 yard, 80 rush yards against the Vikings. I I lost the number. He had six receptions for 109 yards. Dallas won that game 40-3. to So looking back on last year, he, there was games where he would have like 50, 60 receiving yards on like six, seven receptions. It's pretty good efficiency. With Pollard, I think that with Dak, I don't know what his volume is going to look like, but I think if they go back to running the football, Mike McCarthy, I'm pretty sure, is calling plays. I think they'll go a little more run and then – torture you with Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb. I think Pollard's in for a great year. He comes in at number nine. At number eight, I have Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones kind of got screwed over last year. Uh, I, am, I I was a fantasy football player. And in terms of touchdowns, he never got any touchdowns, but he had 1,100 yards on the season on 213 carries. He had 1,100 yards, and he kind of got all the goal line work taken away by A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon had a lot of the goal line carries, you know, fourth and one at the goal line. They'll give it to A.J. Dillon to punch it in for the touchdown. Aaron Jones was not only a great rusher this past season, he was a great receiver as well. 
as you go back into some of his games, there would be games where he had double-digit receptions in his games. He had like nine, seven, six receptions in, in his games. And, you know, I expect kind of the similar story with them because it's the same team and Jordan Love, maybe they don't trust him. I, I'm trying to figure out with the Packers how they're going to play this season because you, you try to read some stuff on the Packers and their training camp, and it's, it's a really hard vibe to tell because – you don't really know what you're going to expect of the Packers this year. Maybe they just say, Jordan Love, you're going to act like Patrick Mahomes and go all in, or they dial it back a little bit and he's throwing checkdowns to Jones and he's throwing short passes to uh, Christian Watson. I don't really know how their offense is going to be this year, to be completely honest with you. Aaron Jones, I have him at number eight. At number seven, this might come to a surprise to some people. I don't really care. Number seven, I have B. John Robinson. Uh, he's a rookie. He's going to be a rookie this year. And, you know, he got drafted by the Falcons, and people kind of just think, like, oh, you can't put a rookie that high. Bijan Robinson, I think, is a better I – don't, I don't know how to say better, but he's on the same level as a running back prospect comparing to Saquon Barkley. Saquon, coming out of college at Penn State, he was a absolute monster, could do everything. It's kind of how I view Bijan. I think Bijan's actually the better receiving version of Saquon in terms of receiving, passing, all that stuff, like catching the ball and stuff. Have you seen some of his routes at training camp? And look, I'm not one to hype up training camp and say it's the end-all, be-all. But man, you watch some of the stuff in preseason, he's cooking NFL linebackers. I mean, seriously, he's cooking... 10-year NFL veteran linebackers who have been in the league for a long time. And, you know, he's a young running back who's drafted high as a prospect. And he's just absolutely torching these guys in practice. He's even torturing DBs in practice. That's crazy as a running back to torture DBs lining up in the slot. Look, I don't really know how they're going to use him this year. They could use him as a wide receiver. I genuinely don't know. They could go Algier in the backfield with Cordell Patterson and B. John in the slots, Drake London on the outside. I don't really know what they're going to do. But I'll tell you this. I expect B. John Robinson to be on the field for the Atlanta Falcons a lot this year, a lot. And number six, Josh Jacobs. Surprising to some, right? Uh, he had a monster, monster season last year. He led the league in rushing at 1,600 yards. He had 12 touchdowns, which I think ranked like fourth in the NFL. He had a monster season, don't get me wrong. But I don't really know how this team is going to be this year because Josh Jacobs, as much as he had a great season, I don't know if he's going to have a great season this year. Here's why. They got Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And I personally think the Raiders are going to be trash this year. I, I really do. One, we don't know how long Jimmy G can stay healthy if he stays healthy for the entire season. We don't know. And I'm going off the assumption that they're going to be behind in a lot of games. And I don't think he's the greatest receiving back. I don't think he's awful, but I don't think he's excellent at in his receiving game. I think that they're going to trail in a lot of games, and they are going to be throwing the ball downfield. And that obviously affects the running back in terms of production. I don't think they're going to be playing in front in a lot of these games. So if he rushes for 1,600 yards this upcoming season, then he's probably one of the three, four best running backs in football. Right now, he's on the outside looking in. At number five, I have Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, 
you know, him and Jacobs are both having contract disputes with the front office. Jonathan Taylor, I don't really know how to feel about him, to be completely honest with you. I don't know if his rushing goes away next season. He had a down year. He didn't run. He didn't rush for a thousand yards. But I think even with uh, his awful season last year, I still think he's going to bounce back. He just didn't have a great start to the season. He tore like his last five games were fine. The problem was, you know, he got hurt for a little bit as well. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. His rushing yards were great, but like 82 yards in the Dallas game. He had 86 yards in the Steelers game. He had 84 yards in the Eagles game. He had 147 yards versus the Raiders. He had 76, 58, 42, 71, 54, and 161 rushing yards. He also struggled to get into the end zone this past season. It's one of the big problems of Jonathan Taylor's last year. I also don't think that – I think – Anthony Richardson will actually help him. I understand that he's a running quarterback, reminds Shane Steichen a lot of Jalen Hurts, but Steichen's scheme is a lot of runs, a lot of RPOs, a lot of runs, and that benefits Jonathan Taylor. And if you're telling me he's not rushing for 1,000 yards this year, I don't really know what to tell you. I think that he's 100% going to run for 1,000 yards. So I have Jonathan Taylor at number five. At number four, I have Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley got the one-year contract. It's really confusing. Basically, they didn't give him the franchise tag. Or, wait, yeah. Basically, they want to offer a long-term contract. They offered a franchise tag, and then he took a one-year deal for like $11 million. Here's my thing on the whole situation. We didn't really talk about the whole running backs holding out thing. Saquon was never going to miss that Dallas game. People were like reporting like his status for week one's in jeopardy. He was 1,000%, 1,000% playing week one against Dallas, whether he was in condition or not. He was 100% playing week one. No doubt about it. Because here's the thing. In the NFL, you don't play week one, you lose your game checks, and you lose some stuff on your salary. So it's not only like, you know, and he's talked about on the podcast, he, he's not dumb. He knows what, what happens if he misses week one. Uh, Saquon had a monster, monster season last year. He was I thought one of the three best running backs in football this past season. Thing for him is about staying healthy. He ran for fifteen hundred yards on with uh, twelve touchdowns, or ten, excuse me. He had ten touchdowns on fifteen hundred yards. He had almost three hundred carries, which I'm pretty sure almost. I think it might have led the league in total carries. He was top five in carries. I'll say that he was top five in carries behind Jacobs, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. So, you know, he had a workload in terms of running the football, right? Uh, He's not only a great uh, rushing threat, he's a great receiving threat as well. He's got breakaway speed. He's a fantastic runner in between the tackles. He can beat you inside, outside, can beat you through with the receiving game, the rushing game, do it all. Saquon Barkley, I have him in at number three. At number two, I have Derek Henry. Derrick Henry led the league by a mile, by a mile in rushing attempts. And people for years have been saying, you know, when the tire's going to come off and all that stuff. And, you know, when the tire's going to come off Derrick Henry, I think it's going to be this year. I'm going to be completely honest with you. He had 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. And one of the reasons I think they got the Andre Hopkins wasn't because they're trying to improve the team. It was to make sure Derrick Henry 
didn't have to rush 350 times next year. With Derrick Henry, he's not a great receiving threat, so it's a lot of it is just downhill. He's also the hardest dude to tackle in the NFL. I mean, he's massive, 6'3", 250 pounds, massive human being. Tough guy to tackle. With Henry, I think that he's going to start to fade out a little bit. He's had like this three-year run of just absolutely insane numbers on very crazy carries. Like he, he carried the ball 350 times. That's a lot of carries. And in his career, he's had almost 1,800 carries. That's a lot of tread on those tires, let me tell you. And I think if there's going to be a year that he has a down year, it's this year. Uh, defense is great. Receivers are decent. I think they're really going to have to rely on Henry. And I don't know if his body can hold that up because that's tough. He's, like, that, he's going to have like 2,000 carries if they run him the same way next year. That's insane. He's at number two. At number one, the best running back in football is Nick Chubb. I don't think there's much of an argument. I really don't. He had 300 carries, so almost 40 less. Think about this. 40 less carries. They played the same amount of games, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. They played the same amount of games. He played one extra game. He had 1,500 uh, yards or so. He had like 1,525. He had 1,538. With Nick Chubb, he had 47, 47 less carries than Derrick Henry. Still had 1,525 yards, 12 touchdowns rushing, 5 yards on average. That is incredible. And you could say whatever you want. He was dominant from start to finish. Let me read through his, Can I read you through his game logs just from week 1 to week 18? Week 1. At Carolina, 22 carries, 141 yards, and no touchdowns. Next week, week two, uh, versus the Jets, 17 carries, 87 yards, three touchdowns. Against the Steelers on Thursday Night Football, 23 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Against the Falcons at Atlanta, they lost this game. 19 carries, 118 yards, one touchdown. Versus the Chargers, 17 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. He had a bad game versus New England is 12 of 56, but in terms of efficiency, that's not bad. Averaging four, uh, 4.7 yards a carry, not bad. His next game versus Baltimore, 16, 91, uh, 16 carries, 91 yards, one touchdown. Versus Cincy, 23 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Versus the Dolphins, where they lost badly, is 11 for 63. That's almost six yards, on, uh, six yards per carry. That's good in terms of the carries, but not in terms of the rushing yards. He had a bad rush game versus Buffalo's 14 carries for 19 yards. Follows that up with a 26 uh, rushing game, 26 carries, 116 yards, one touchdown. Versus Houston, 17 carries, 80 yards, no touchdown. He had a bad game versus Cincy because they played from behind in that game. Then his last three games, incredible stuff. 21 carries, 99 yards. 24 carries, 92 yards. 14 carries, 104 yards. 12 carries, 77 yards. That is insane. 
insane. And he's the most consistent running back in football, and no one gives him credit for it. It's incredible to me. And he's been doing this for like two, three years, and no one gives him credit for it. I always hear people say, Saquon, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs. No, I always feel like people don't give Nick Chubb the credit he deserves. Uh, the players don't give him respect either, in my opinion, uh, in terms of the top 100. He doesn't get a lot of respect. I don't know why. I'm a Steeler fan. I hate the Browns, but guess what? Nick Chubb is the best running back in football, and I don't think there's any debate for it. So we'll be right back. We'll take a quick break, and we will rank the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. We'll be right back with the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. So we just finished up the uh, running backs. Now we're going to head to the wide receivers. So I have three honorable mentions for the wide receivers. I have Jalen Waddell. He had a great season. He had 1,300 yards, like nine touchdowns roughly. I think I'd just like to see him do it for another year. I don't really know how his production is going to be because I think it's going to be a lot of Tyree Kill, and I don't know if Tua can stay healthy. Not all of it is his fault. I think he's a great receiver. If he has another monster year, he'll probably be in the top 10, but right now he's like 11 or so just on the outside. My second honorable mention is Amari Cooper. Just always consistent no matter where he goes, Oakland, Dallas, Cleveland, he's always putting up big numbers and consistently has always put up big numbers. I have Amari Cooper, so a second honorable mention. And then the third one is Garrett Wilson. Last year, Garrett Wilson had Zach Wilson and Mike White as his quarterback. He had 1,100, he had a little over 1,000 yards. And now with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, I don't think there's any other reason why that, you know, with another leap, this, you know, improving as a sophomore in the NFL, I think he could be in for another great year. So those are my three honorable mentions. Let's get to the top 10. Might come to a surprise to some people, but at number 10, I have Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith was, I thought, a very underrated player this season, or this past season. He started off very slow, very slow. If you just go through his game logs, he didn't really do much in terms of like receiving touchdowns until around, I would say, about the second game versus Washington, the game they lost at home, which is November 14th. When After that game happened, I don't know what they did, but, I mean, he put up consistently very good numbers. They followed up that with six for 78. He had four for 50, five for 102, and a tutty, five for 64, and a touchdown, five for 126, eight receptions, 113 yards, two touchdowns, nine receptions, 115 yards, no touchdown, seven receptions, 67 yards. His playoff games were good too. Six for 61, one tutty, uh, two for 36, which isn't great, don't get me wrong, but they blew out the Niners, so he didn't even need to do anything. Then the Super Bowl, seven for 100, should have had a touchdown. He stepped out of bounds. But I really think a lot of it is predicated on his second half of the year. And I don't really know how Philly's going to be this year. I don't think they're going to be this dominant running team this year. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think that Miles Sanders leaving, they have a more running back by committee. And if that blows up early on in the season, I expect Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, to have heavy numbers in terms of their receiving yards and catches and touchdowns and all that stuff. Smith is an underrated receiver. He's always an underrated receiver in college. I think that he should check in here at number 10. At number 9, I have Terry McLaurin. McLaurin had 
a very interesting season. He's always been a very interesting receiver to me. Never has had a top receiver, uh, top quarterback. Not even top quarterback. He's always had like a bottom half quarterback. Yeah, he's putting up top 10 numbers. And I think that's really interesting. If he played for the Jets, he would probably be 1,500 yards receiving. Like, I'm not kidding. His quarterback situations have been really awful. Very, very awful. And I think that this year, when you look at him, there's a lot to like about him. Sam Howell, I think they are going to rely more on the run, which might sound bad for Terry, but in hindsight, I think it's a great thing because they'll go to play action. They'll rely on him and Dotson as the two receivers, and then the two power backs are Gibson and uh, Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama. I think McLaurin, if he had a better quarterback, we could be talking more about him towards the top five than here in the top ten. But he checks in at number nine. At number eight, I have C.D. Lamb. He had an ascending season last year. Even with Dak Hurt, he still put up big numbers. He had 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns, or nine touchdowns, excuse me, at 107 uh, receptions. And he's another one where towards the end of the season, that's when he was playing his best football. Uh, He got shut down in the Tampa game, but then he rattled off three really good games versus the Bengals, Giants, and Commanders. He also, to remember, Dak didn't play for like half the season. Dak didn't come back till October 23rd versus the Lions. So he missed about like six, seven weeks of football, if you really think about it. And he still put up 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns with the uh, uh, cornerback one matchup. I think with him, he's going to play a lot more slot and a little more outside because what we saw from him last year was that they would try to move him into the slot, but they never really had an outside receiver or just in general, another receiver to rely on because Gallup wasn't fully under himself. I think this year with CD lamb, he's absolutely going to be a monster. I could see 1500 yards from him along with like 11, 12 touchdowns. And I think Dallas is going to be one of the best offenses in football. I think lamb's going to be one of the people leading that offense. I have him checking in at number eight. At seven, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, uh, two years ago, had one of the best wide receiver seasons we've ever seen. He got hurt this past year. It's kind of why I dropped him. This is going into the season, obviously. If he stays healthy and he can have the production he had in 21, he's probably near the top of the half, top half of the list. Number six, I have Jamar Chase. Chase, you know, the Burrow Chase connection has always been lethal. He is interesting. He finished uh, 17th in receiving yards, 17th. And with DK, I think it's pretty interesting. So it was DK, Wilson, and Kirk were the three guys. He also played 12 games because he had, I think, I forget what injury he had, but he had an injury at the beginning of the season. I think it might have been his shoulder. He had an injury to start the season, and that's what you know hurt him a lot was that injury that he had to start the season. He played 12 games, and, you know, he missed from, like, October, I think it was October 23rd till like, December. He didn't come back till that Chiefs game. He missed, like, five, eight, six, five, six games, and I think that really cost him. And guess what? He's still at 1,000 yards. He's still at 1,000 yards. Think about that. He's still at 1,000 yards and missed five games. Let's say he had 90 yards in every game. Do the math. 
he's close to a 13, 1400 receiver. And that's where he is as a top six, top five uh, wide receiver in the league. Joe Burrow obviously helps because they have a lethal passing attack with Higgins and Boyd. Those guys obviously help. But I think with Chase, you look at him in hindsight, he's a really, really good wide receiver. And I think he'll be a great receiver for a long time. I have him in number six. Number five, I have A.J. Brown. I've always thought A.J. Brown was a fantastic wide receiver, but he played with Ryan Tannehill. We talked about this earlier. They don't pass the ball. So for him to get any, just any sort of, you know, big uh, numbers, he needed to go to a place that passed the ball. And Philly sling the ball past here. A.J. Brown had 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns on 88 receptions. He was fantastic. And anything, you know, trading those draft picks for Philly, Philly didn't care about those draft picks because he knew what they were getting. They were getting a bona fide number one wide receiver in the league, a top five caliber wide receiver in football. He was incredible last year, and he was consistent. He had two bad playoff games, to be honest with you, in terms of, like, receptions and yards. But outside of that, I mean, he was out of his world. He played 17 games. He basically played all the games he possibly could. I mean, and that's one of the big things, the big hangups that some people have with wide receivers is that some of them don't stay healthy. He stays healthy. He played 17 games last year, you know? So for me, A.J. Brown checks in at number five. At number four, I have Stefan Diggs. Look, I don't really know how his season's going to be this year. I really don't know. And I've went back and forth on this. We talked about this when we ranked the quarterbacks. Uh, Stefan Diggs is either going to have a monster season or this is going to be an utter uh, disaster in Buffalo. And I think it's going to be a good season, but there's a, a solid chance that this could be a disaster for Stefan Diggs. Diggs has had two great seasons in the NFL. Two, not just two great, but you know his last two seasons, I need to rephrase that, his last two seasons have been very, very good with Josh Allen. Ever since he made the move from Minnesota to Buffalo, he's been one of the five, six best receivers in football. I think that with him, he's a great, he's one of the best route runners in football. He's got great hands. And, you know, he's in for an interesting year because I don't really know how it's going to be with the wide receiver too. And it's interesting. He puts up all the production and he has to take every cornerback matchup, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. He plays in a tough division in terms of corners, and he still puts up 1,400 yards. So I have Stefan Diggs at number four. At number three, at number three, I have Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, you can make the argument. The next three guys, you can really make an argument for the best receiver in football. I have Adams at three. I don't really know what season's going to be like this year, to be completely honest with you, because Jimmy G, I don't really know. I think it could really benefit him or it can really hurt him. I really don't know. And he's a top-tier running back or top-tier wide receiver talent. I have Devontae Adams at number three. At number two, I have Tyreek Hill. Hill, I'm going to tell you this. He's my pick for Offensive Player of the Year this year. Justin Jefferson won it last year at plus 2,000, and I told people, Pick Justin Jefferson when I'm a player, five wins you 100, right? I told you guys that last year. I, I'm on the record for saying that on the podcast. My pick last year was Justin Jefferson to win offensive player of the year. And most people, I wouldn't say most people, but some people also had him too. 
This year, my pick's Tyree Kill. Plus 2,000, you put $5 down, you win 100. That's what, that's the line I saw for his offensive player of the year prop. It was like plus 2,000, you put $5 down, you win 100. Tyree Kill, if Tua can just stay healthy, he will be a not only a 2,000-yard receiver. I think he can have like 15 touchdowns. Like, I'm not even kidding. Tyree Kill was second, second in the league in receiving yards. Justin Jefferson had 1,800. Uh, Tyree Kill had 1,700. Tua missed a lot of games last year, a lot of games. Tyree Kill played a lot of games last year. If Tua can stay healthy for 15 games, 15, 16 games, Tyree Kill will have a 2,000-yard season, I think, 2,000-yard season and 10 touchdowns. I personally think that because he's so good, and not only that he's so good, Mike McDaniel is one of the best offensive minds we have in the sport. He is extremely smart, puts him in motion, does whatever. And I'm telling you this now, remember this, my pick for offensive player of the year is Tyree Kill, and I think he'll have 2,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's going to have a monster season. If two, if Tua can just play 16, 17 games, he's in 12, 18. If he plays 15, 16, maybe 17 games. 17 might be pushing it. But if he plays 15, 16 games, Tyreek Hill will win offense player of the year. At number one, Justin Jefferson. Obviously, last year he had 1,800 yards, eight touchdowns. He's – I heard something – you know, I'm not one to call out dumb takes, but sometimes you just have to. I was watching something on CBS uh, radio, and someone said, you listen to this? Someone said, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in football. Not even close. Not even close. Is a product of Kirk Cousins. Are you kidding me? A product of Kirk Cousins. That's ridiculous. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about what Kirk Cousins has done with wide receiver wants. Justin Jefferson is not by any means, a product of Kirk Cousins. That is just absolute garbage and absolute nonsense. And when I heard that today, before I came on here to record, I'm recording this around like 4 o'clock or so. I was watching this at like 2 o'clock, and, someone, and you can find the clip on Twitter. It's, it's there. Someone said, Kirk Cousins, I don't know what radio, uh, radio show or podcast it was, Kirk Cousins, or Justin Jefferson is a product of Kirk Cousins. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you trying to be a comedian? I mean, seriously, there's no way. There's no way you could possibly think that. If you don't think he's one, that's fine. But to say he's a product of a quarterback who's barely a top-ten quarterback, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous. I have Justin Jefferson number one. I think he's the best receiver in football. And that will do it for my wide receiver rankings. We have uh, the last segment here, and it's the 10 – yeah, here it is. 10 bold predictions for the 2023 NFL season via Bleacher Report. So we'll take a quick break and we'll react to them. So before we talk about my bold, uh, the 10 bold predictions from Bleacher Report and the article by Alex K, I would just like to play the clip of what I was referring to earlier about Justin Jefferson in the CBS radio clip. So here it is. It's from JPA Football on Twitter. He put the clip out there. So here it is. Justin Jefferson, but he's definitely a product of Kirk Cousins in that offense. Kirk Cousins. Like, that's that's just ridiculous. And I'm sorry, and I don't really care what your opinions are on him. And there, there's been arguments on, I think it was first things first, that like, oh, well, Justin Jefferson, you know, he's too high. I think he's ranked like third. 
Oh, he's ranked second. Sorry, he's ranked second in the top 100. He's one of the three, four best players in football. And, you know, they made an argument that it wasn't. Look, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But long story short, that's ridiculous, okay? That's ridiculous. So let's get to 10 bold predictions for the 2023 NFL season by Alex K. This was posted July 25th, 2023. I was in Aruba or whatever, so I couldn't react to it immediately. Let's go to the first take. The Detroit Lions will be the number one offense in the NFL. I could see it. I could definitely see it. I wouldn't. I don't know if that's bold, but I would definitely say that that can definitely happen. Uh, the Lions, Jared Goff, they have a really good core of receivers. Amon Ron St. Brown, Jamison Williams. They have a bunch of really, really good wide receivers. And I think their team, not only just their offense, their team's going to be really good. Jameer Gibbs, they got him in the draft. They're a solid team, man. They are a solid team. Monroe St. Brown, they have uh, Raymond. I don't know if he's still on the team. They got DJ Truck actually left in the offseason. They have a bunch of really, really good wide receivers. Marvin Jones, Denzel Mims. I think that they could definitely be one of the best offenses in the NFL. I don't think that's a hot take at all. These are bold predictions of the NFL season. Number two, the New York Jets will rank... Number one on defense. I thought they were arguably number one last year. I don't think that's a hot take either, to be completely honest with you. These takes aren't wrong, by the way. Jets, they could definitely be the number one defense. They have arguably the best secondary in football and a very good D-line led by Quinn and Williams. I could definitely see that. The third one, the Tennessee Titans will embrace a full rebuild by the trade deadline. That's a little tough for me. I'm going to have to say I disagree with that one. Just for the simple fact of I think they're going to start the season really well. So I just would like to predict. I just like to show you guys their schedule. So, you know, because that's kind of what matters. The trade deadline's like, what, November 1st or so? Let's go through, like, their first few games or so. At New Orleans, Chargers, Browns, Bengals, Colts, Ravens, Falcons, Steelers. I think they could go... Three and four, four, three or four, three and five, four and four or so. That's 500 football. And to me, if you're a 500 football team, I don't think you're selling at the trade deadline, to be completely honest with you. And I don't think they'll embrace a full rebuild. I don't, I don't really know. But if they do start slow, then I could definitely see that. Houston Texans will be surprise playoff contenders this year. I'm going to have to disagree. I understand it's a bold, these are bold takes, but here's the thing here. Uh, Mechie's a good receiver, but outside of that, they don't really have crazy uh, receiving weapons. Damian Pierce is a good running back. C.J. Stroud's also, you know, it's really tough for quarterbacks, unless if you're in an awful division, to lead your team to the playoffs in your rookie season. If you said this next season, I could definitely get behind that. You see a year what C.J. Stroud looks like, and that Will Anderson, the defense, they also don't have their first-round pick this year either, so it's not a guarantee that, you know, Everything's clicking all at once. So let's see. I'll hold off on this, to be honest with you. I don't think it's a – it's kind of crazy, to be honest with you. I don't know. And here's my reason why. Stroud, if he's really that guy, and D'Amico Ryans, who's now their head coach, who is the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, if he can turn Will Anderson to like a Nick Bosa, then we could be talking about something here, to be honest with you. I don't know if that's too crazy. I don't, I've seen a lot of crazy clips from John Mechie in camp. I don't really know what the Texans are going to be this year. 
the Arizona Cardinals will post the league's first 0-17 record. I think that's very possible. Here's the thing. Kyler Murray, it's about all about when he comes back, right? If he comes back by Halloween, I don't really know if that happens. But if he comes back November, like late November, early December, I could definitely see them going 0-17. They don't, they're not great in the quarterback department with Kyler being out. Their O-line's not great. Their receivers aren't great. Connor's a good running back. Buda Baker's still there, but he's kind of wants out. I don't think the defense is that good. I think it's really bad. I think that, to be honest with you, I could definitely see this happening. And I'm not a big fan of Jonathan Gannon. I think he's a loser, to be completely honest with you. I think he's a loser. Philly fans think the same way. If you talk to an Eagles fan about Jonathan Gannon, people think he's he's a loser. That's just the word. That's the first word that everyone has told me about Jonathan Gannon, that he's a loser of a coach and a loser. That's really all they've told me. And I haven't heard a good thing about Jonathan Gannon. I've asked a bunch of people. Here's the next one. Trevor Lawrence will win the NFL MVP award. I absolutely 100% agree with this. This is a great bold take here. Trevor Lawrence is like plus 1,600 or so to win MVP. Here's the thing. If he can win his division, which is very likely, and he can have 11 or 12 wins and put up good numbers, like 30 touchdowns, less than 10 picks, have a little over 4,000 yards passing, he can probably win the MVP because I don't think they'll give it to Mahomes. Maybe they'll give it to Burrow. If he's like the second-ranked, uh, if they're the second-ranked team in the AFC, they're the second seed in the AFC, They he has a really good shot of winning that. I think that's a great take. Here's another one. B. John Robinson will claim two major honors. I assume they're saying Offensive Player of the Year and Rookie of the Year. Let me double-check on that. Offensive Player, Offensive Rookie of the Year and Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. I could see him winning. I definitely see him off uh, offensive rookie of the year. My thing with him is offensive player of the year is that that award seems like it's going to wide receivers most of the time. Most of the time, not not all, but most of the time. Let's for Derrick Henry running for two thousand yards. It's really tough to win the award as a running back, if you ask me. I think that he, you know. He's, I've talked about this earlier in the podcast. Highly talented, blue-chip prospect, but I think with him, I don't know if he's going to have the production to be the offensive player of the year in the NFL. We're talking the entire league, not the rookies, the entire league. I don't think he gets it, but I do think there's an outside chance at it. I do. I don't think that's that bad. Tyree Kill will break the single-season receiving record. We just talked about this. I think he will, too. I think this is a great take here. Uh, Tyree Kill, I think, will break the offense player, uh, break the single-season re- receiving record and win offense player of the year. I'll say that. He'll pass Calvin Johnson's 1,964 receiving yards. He almost did it last year. I think he will definitely do it this year, in my opinion. He's in prime position because not only he gets a lot of receptions, he's breakaway speed. A lot of these guys, like Calvin Johnson, didn't have breakaway speed. I understand that he was six four, or he was a you know he's a big wide receiver, big frame, big guy, but he's not as fast as Tyree Kill. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely could see that happening. 
Next one here, Washington Commanders. I think we have two more left. Washington Commanders will make the playoffs. I can get behind this for one thing, and it all comes down to one thing. The defense is great. The offensive weapons are great. I think the coaching is solid. Rivera, people give him a bad rap. He always gets his team to play. Eric Bieniemy, people don't like him as an offensive coordinator. People say he's a little uh, too over the top and like always yelling at guys. I, I don't think that's bad. I really don't. I don't think that's bad. I don't know what he's saying either, cursing guys out. I don't really know what he's saying. But with him, I don't think that's bad at all. I think he just really wants the best for his guys. And he's going to push them to be the best as possible. Defense is great. Offensive weapons are great. It comes down to Sam Howell. If Sam Howell can be not just a terrible quarterback, not a Bob 10 quarterback, but if he's like top 20-ish, 19, 20 ranked quarterback in the NFL, they could be definitely a seven seed. I could definitely see that. I think the Giants are due for some regression. I don't know how the Bears are going to be. Their defense, they added a lot of guys, but it hasn't been proven. Can't just put a bunch of guys on defense and assume they're going to be good. It takes time to build a defense. And last year they were awful at defense and awful in the offensive line. So I don't really know how the Bears will do. And the Falcons, I think they're very similar to Falcons. I just think that they have better receiving weapons. I'm a huge fan of Jahan Dotson. So that's also another reason why I'm high on the commanders. Things though, they have a tough schedule. They have to play the entire NFC East. They have the NFC West. So to me, they're losing the 49ers and probably losing three or all four of those NFC or those AFC East games. So right then and there, you have that and you're in a tough division. I kind of think they're outnumbered, but Sam Howell plays solid football. They could definitely be a playoff team. They have the roster to do so. And then the next one is the Buffalo Bills will miss the playoffs. So I've kind of expressed my frustration with Buffalo that I don't know how good they're going to be this year. But ever like the more I think about it, the more I'm flip-flopping them back to a division winner. It's interesting. So their playoff loss in Cincinnati to me was like a very depressing loss. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm throwing it out there. It was a very depressing loss. It was dark, snowy. They just got absolutely slapped in the mouth and did absolutely nothing about it. Stefan Diggs just throwing tamper tantrums on the sideline, cursing out Josh Allen. It was a mess. And here's the problem. And this is one of the problems with the Chargers. Herbert and Allen both suffer from this. Her uh, Allen lost Dable as his offensive coordinator. Last year, he led the league in red zone interceptions when Dable left. Dable had definitely a big influence on him. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Not saying he's an awful quarterback, not saying any of that. But in terms of production, he definitely had a little, a little, just the tiniest bit of impact on Josh Allen. I'm just telling you. Uh, and Herbert suffers through the same thing as well. Defensive coaches who are defensive-minded coaches who are head coaches in the NFL typically don't do well. Typically. Look at the Super Bowl winner, Chiefs. They had an offensive-minded coach. You could say what you want about the Eagles and Nick Sirianni and his philosophy, but Shane Steichen got an offensive coordinating job because of how good he did with uh, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. So my point is, coaching matters, and if you don't have a good O.C. and stuff like that, that kind of matters too. Bill's missing the playoffs. I don't see it. I don't. I think their defense will take a hit this season. I don't think it's going to be that good. 
as it was last year. The numbers say that their defense was good last year. I don't think it will be this year. I definitely think towards the end of the year they got carved up. I think Joe Burrow wasn't for what happened with the unfortunate incident of DeMar Hamlin. They were on their way getting torched up by Cincinnati twice. I think the Bills will miss. I think the Bills will make the playoffs, but if they miss it, I wouldn't be surprised. Here's the problem with the Bills, right? I just want to read you their schedule, just for the listener listening to the podcast. They start off Monday night at the Jets, nine eleven game, high emotions. That game's going to have a big implication, implication on. The AFC East. I just totally stuttered there. Wow, that's embarrassing. Um, the Bills, rate they go with the Raiders. I think they win that game. Commanders, they'll be fine there. Dolphins, they'll split with them. Jaguars could be a very tricky game. Giants could be a tricky game. Patriots, I don't think it's as much of a trap. I think they win that. Bucks, they should take care of business. Cincy, I do think they lose that game. Denver, I think they beat Denver at home. They have the Jets at home. They have the Eagles. This is... This is the heart of their schedule, and this will determine whether what kind of team Buffalo is. We'll learn from November 5th and on. This is November 5th and on. Bengals at Denver, home versus the Denver, uh, home at Cincy, at Denver, at the Jets, or home versus the, home versus the Jets, excuse me, at the Eagles, at the Chiefs, home against the Cowboys, at the Chargers, home against the Patriots, and at the Dolphins. That is a rough month and a half of football. Rough. So my thing is, they need to start off good. They need to start off well. Can they do that? Absolutely. I do think that the offense will start off hot to start the season, and I do think they will make the playoffs. So to answer the question, I do think they will miss the playoffs, or they will make the playoffs as probably a three or four or maybe even five. So those are the 10 bold predictions from Alex K at Bleacher Report. Uh, I think it's a really good article. Most of the stuff I actually kind of agree with. So that will do it for today's episode of the Shag Sports Talk podcast. Make sure you guys check out the Twitter and all that good stuff. Make sure you guys share the podcast. It would help me a lot. That will do it for today's episode of the Shag Sports Talk podcast. The Shag Sports Talk podcast is out.